did any of you guys see the um, Criterion? God, why did we start with you? <laughs> no, cri- 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 Criterion did, does a thing cri- 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 where they, when uh, Gene Dillman uh, got popular again, that they requested people to make cooking videos in the style of Gene Dillman. Did you guys see That's any of these? That's really funny. That's no. fun. That's yeah. good. Um, and I, yeah, it's it's a good time. I, I like that. that. Some are deadpan and some of them are very, very deadly serious and That's some of them are good. kind of hilarious. So it's definitely a rabbit hole worth clicking down, friends. That's that really a fun good. time. I mean, good on you, Criterion. The aesthetic of this movie kind of inspires a lot of different impulses, I think. Mm-hmm. It is sort of so its own thing that, like, you could kind of, there's moments that, that are, like, it's absurd how long you've been watching her do something mundane, so it does become kind of yeah. hilarious in, in this way. And then there are the, just the object sadness of Gene Dealman's sort of overall, like, presentation like does kind of lend this self-seriousness to like yeah i can see why people went a lot of different directions with that assignment well and it's one of those movies where you learn a word with the movie i i think because you'll start reading the description so quotidian is like the word of the day if you're doing this the the which means daily mm-hmm. but you'll you'll go through the reviews or whatever and you mm. learn you learn quotidian because you're watching this one you know as opposed to you know, psychosexual, exciting, mm. or enthralling, <laughs> captivating. <laughs> well, it may be some of those endearing. things. Endearing. I think it's compelling. I in think its, it's way. endearing. I find. I find. I find Gene very endearing. I do too. Yeah. Um, hey, Arthur. I noticed that you were clicking through. Do we have one star? We'll re- do it later. Later. Man. Okay. I, getting ahead of you. I mean, that's normal. You're, we did early. We did it first last I time. I think we should do it when we get to reviews. Let's yeah. just yeah. reviews. Okay. Yeah. Well, hello, that's everybody. how we'll grease the pot, if you will. <laughs> hello. That's where we'll start the saute. Hello, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast, where we gather around Butter a table. Butter the skillet. <laughs> I'm going to get you with a coffee cup. Where we gather around a table, them. and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film stays course, unless it's January, and we're doing our anti-trash marathon, in which, this year, we're doing the BFI Top 4 for the four weeks of January. So, uh, part four, or number four was Tokyo Story, number three was Citizen Kane, number two was Vertigo, and number one, that's how, that's where we're at right now. I'm proud of you. Is you can count. Jean Dealman um, with more words thereafter. 28 Quad Commerce, 1080 Brussels. Yes. Like Brussels, if you're nasty. Brussels with an X, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're looking at that movie. Uh, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. And we're all still here talking about this movie three hours and 21 minutes after we watched the movie. Uh, we want to warn you, though. The this podcast will be long. This podcast will be long and will involve You'll hear us cooking. spoilers. And I will say this, the last 20 minutes of this movie change everything about the first three hours of this movie. Um, it starts as a shape about an hour and a half in. I, I, I think, I mean, yeah, there's the, the break yeah. kind of happens right at the 90 minute to the end mark. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. But it culminates. It does. There is. De- yeah. I told Dalton because I was worried he was going to be like, I don't need to watch the last 20 well, minutes. And, and Arthur, I did. I, I accidentally it for spoil it for myself <gasps> reading about the film. And I was like, oh, man. And I told boy. my friend, I was like, buddy, something's going to happen. And he's like, what? I, I kept wondering if nothing was going to happen. And I was loving that nothing was going to happen. I was like, no, something's going to happen. He's like, shit. All right. Well, let's strap in. I didn't tell him what it was. But it really does make you go, oh, wow. Okay. It's this kind of a film. Interesting. And it, I, for me, takes it over the top personally. Yes. Yeah. I, I would have been a fine if, it, if the movie had continued to be about nothing happening but well, then something happened we're getting ahead of ourselves you're right, right. you're right there's but a we're lot talking, to talk about we're talking around a spoiler right now which is what we do in the first part of the show we have our thumbs up thumbs down reviews following our synopsis which is all a spoiler free section of the show then we move on to a little game we like to call expanding the syllabus which usually involve thematic spoilers but don't usually involve plot spoilers although sometimes we might have gentle plot spoilers there as well then we play some music to let you know we've gotten down to business and that's when you know all spoiler bets are off so that's where we are with that so without any further ado arthur do you have a synopsis in three hours and 21 minutes or less (laughs) over the course of three days we observe jean dillman as she cooks cleans cares for her adult son and pulls a few tricks in the meantime well Sure. She, she, there are, there are, yes. Tricks get pulled. Johns are met. <laughs> there is sex work. That's, and and yet, that's the movie. You know, that's barely, barely. You just know, part of the day, man. Just a box to tick off. And it's just part of the day. Sometimes you go to the shop. Sometimes you DoorDash. Yeah. 
Sometimes you cannot find a place to put your potatoes down. That's my son doing tricks as well. You, you it's simply, an expensive school. It is. School in general is expensive. Do you ever just take a pot off the stove and can't figure out where you're going to put it yes. down at? I have. Yeah. All, Multiple times. Yeah. yeah. I would almost say regularly. Jeans re- relatable. More often than not. Jeans yeah. relatable that way. In, in many ways, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So with that said, um, I have seen the movie a time or two. When do you want one star? You want you want, you want to, we're in cook with one stars right now, right? Oh, we can cook with one stars, yeah. But I got to fulfill a request because Dalton, you asked for this, and I kind of wasn't paying attention because I was doing something else. Uh, you wanted to, me to read you a couple of one stars for Citizen Kane and Vertigo too. That's true. Oh, that's right. So we're, yeah. we're going we're turning the heat up. We're gonna get the the water boiling okay. as we start to move into. Okay, because we did one stars for Tokyo, but we yeah we need to do some Vertigo Canes. Yeah. All right. So true. let's start with Citizen Kane. Okay. okay. Um, and there are quite a few on Google. Okay. Of, of these three movies, this is the most reviewed on Google. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's just start here. It was a couple years ago. All right. I don't have a lot to say about this film except that you will not enjoy. I have a friend who is a film critic, and he loves it. If you deeply analyze films and enjoy them for the deeply complex way that they use the camera angles and the strange characters, this might be the film for you. However, if you are like me and enjoy films for at least a semi-engaging plot that has any ups and downs, do not watch. This is one of the most highly rated movies you will ever see. But the only audience that enjoys this is critics. After reading this, I encourage you to write another negative review just so that the people who only look at the base score will see the truth. All this being said, if you know someone who fancies themselves to be a film critic, please recommend this to them. I would love for at least someone to enjoy a film that clearly stood the test of time. I'm very, I'm very taken with this review because it's like there's a lot happening yeah. in this yeah, review. The, the, the kind of people because they're kind, kind of giving of... it its flowers, but also like. No, so but somebody should was gonna like this. Yeah, and I don't know that he's wrong that only film critics like this movie. <laughs> I don't think that that's right. That's not right. No, uh, there, there, there is a kind of film viewer. I that, think you have to have a proclivity towards a deeper regard for movies to enjoy this. I think that's fair. I you, think it's hard. To, I think it's very propulsive to this day. But I think you're right that it is kind of there's a lot of barriers to entry. That's fair. Especially for a younger audience, it's hard yeah. not to be condescending by saying the kind of person who wants to watch this, you know, and that, and it's. it's I know what you mean. There's a push and pull yeah. of like anti-intellectualism versus like uh, uh, pretension, right? You know. But if you didn't like Citizen Kane, if I got a movie for you, yeah, we'll. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get there. The greatest film of all time, not even close. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love go that. on, you. Maybe it was back in the 50s or 60s when there were a very few films to watch and judge. You know, when they only made a few movies. <laughs> That's what they time. made 300 a year. Are you kidding me? In a me? bad year. Uh, there are way better films made in the last 80 plus years since Citizen Kane was made. This movie is slow as molasses and has a weak plot. You've been warned. <laughs> All right. I have no response to that person. A difficult childhood leads to problems in adulthood. Well, who knew? A hooky thread <laughs> right through the film. Aficionados will try to tell you that the sets and lights are exceptional, but those are only a small part of any film. Best film ever made? Not in any kind of imagination. The most disappointing <laughs> film I have ever seen. Wow. Well, of the ten you've seen. All right, last one we'll do for this. Not a masterpiece. Boring. Generic and slow-paced. Oh, come on. The only things that were good were the acting and camera work. Obviously. He recites the name of a sled. An effing sled. <laughs> Definitely skip. Edit. Please understand that this is an opinion. If you love the film, that's completely fine. But don't insult the intelligences of those who dislike this movie. Oh, do they used to have comments on your comments I available? I don't know. Maybe. Well, I think you can reply to it. Well... I've seen like businesses reply to a review, but I don't know yeah. if I can reply to You know what? Maybe you could at some point. Someone was like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. It burned his life down. All right. Let's jump over to Vertigo. This is for Vertigo. Okay. 1958. Alfred Hitchcock. The th- second greatest movie of all time. A poor effort. A wonky plot full of holes and inconsistencies with a final denouement, which is unbelievably banal. Disappointing and lacking in credibility. Uh, oh, this is from CinemaSins. Nice. Banal. 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 I don't think that word means what you think it means, CinemaSins. Appalling objectification, shallow characterization of women, and Jimmy Stewart's stalking of Kim Novak runs round San Francisco is just laughable. Really, I can't see why this film has any reputation at all. 
It feels like one hitch knocked off on a wet Wednesday. We need nothing better to do. An awful film only worth watching for the cameo, which is about 10 minutes in. Don't waste the next two hours. Uh, okay. Swinging. <laughs> just swinging on him. Missing, but swinging. I normally love to watch James Stewart in many movies, i.e. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you're that window, guy? Which I thought were very good. After watching this one, it was not a James Stewart type movie. It could have been much better. Now, I don't think this user is wrong because it is very much it's not Stewart a ju- playing against type. Yeah, I mean, if you're expecting him to be in the way, hero and he is, he's the villain and you don't know it for a long time. It's probably Yeah. Because you kind of want Stewart there to be like... Your well, uncle. They they're trying to put me in a hmm. box, Dustin. That's my Jim Stewart. <laughs> Nobody put your baby in a court. No, that's, that's more Connery. <laughs> that's more Connery. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I am the last one. Har- Harvey, Harvey. I don't, what are we doing here? Harvey, no. <laughs> <laughs> I will not talk about this, but can just say I wasted my time for Saw This. For... <laughs> I just want to see Jigsaw. That Jim Stewart becomes Jigsaw after. I want to play a game with you. You cannot do it today. You'll appreciate your life. You know, I don't think of myself as an especially like strong writer. It's not my, you know, I'm okay. But boy, if you're going to like take a movie to task, maybe just give it a proofread. Just once. Just just one more once over before you post. What a crab. No quality. Still communist style. What? Do it again. Do it again. That was word salad. I I need you to do that one again. What a crab. No quality. Still communist style. Still communist style. You know what? I agree. I keep it still communist style. But I say that's why it's five stars. Yeah. I don't think I am particularly thick, but I never understood uh, this movie the first time I saw it. Okay. So there's some amuse bouche for you, some uh, mm. for Vertigo and Citizen mm. Kane. Okay, then, now we yes. got the now we got the soup uh, soup dish coming out for you okay. for, for the G- Gene Gilman. All right, here we go for what we're here for. I can't wait. Okay, I'm Bated so excited. Breath. God, they're going to be so mad. To <laughs> me, this was a minimalist anti movie about disintegration, Correct. the tediousness of life, waving walls, floors, doors, bathtubs, slowly, very slowly, trends towards chaos. Correct. Yeah, let's yeah, this go. Is why it's great. Come on. Her son doesn't look well. A letter comes. The concentration Jean exhibits while she constantly puts objects in order breaks down in little ways. But who cares? No. Why am I watching this? Mm. What drives me to look at it and experience? The critics picked it, and I had to look. My opinion watching this. Oh, wait. My opinion is they were trying to torture me <laughs> for most of the work. It was like trying to read Beckett's Malone Dies. Just a lot. No, wait. No, get Beckett's ma- name out of your... Ma- okay. Falling asleep and waking up to the same page over and over. <laughs> same feeling I had when I tried to watch last year at Marion Bad. I think the French said it all with Children of Paradise. Then again, they did have Jacques Tati. How do you say I took film studies and I didn't like it? I mean, that's at least that's at least a pretty you know well reasoned one star review that at least understands what the movie's trying. Except to for do. that's why you give it five. I, well, you know, if that the, doesn't the work for you, it doesn't anyway. work for you, man. Yeah, you know, I mean, I get, I, I get it's not everybody's cup of tea. I mean, or one hundred percent, it's or an, breaded it, or it coffee. Is, calling it an anti movie <laughs> or veal cutlet, such a good way to put it. A what? An anti movie? Yeah, and I really like that. I agree with framing that. it. Definitely a movie people say they like to sound cool. You know what I do to sound cool? Yeah. I tell people I've seen Jean Dillman. Yeah, this is this Belgian film. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure there are a handful of people who actually like this, but no way it is the number of people who say they like it. The Emperor has no clothes. I mean, there's a five-star review on here from a guy that says it's about a woman in France and gives it five stars. She's in Brussels, dude. Did really watch this three-hour slog or just say you did to sound like a total cinephile, question mark? I mean, that's fair. Just because Brussels, you're bad at geography doesn't mean you watch the movie. I mean, Brussels is in the title. I'm I mean, just saying. If you're going to give the movie five stars... You might think Brussels is in France. I mean, people... That's fair. Geography's not everyone's strong suit. Okay. I, I'm def- I'm defending the other person that she's attacking, <laughs> or they are attacking. Okay, fair enough. All right, last couple. Okay. okay. And then we'll, we can do our thing. If you want to see this film in ten minutes, you can do it. <laughs> If you want to waste your time, do it by watching the whole film. He's not wrong. <laughs> He's not wrong. Okay. 
It's like three hours of wearing a bag over one's head in a dark room when you can't hear or see. It's that provocative and entertaining. Okay. All right. Whatever. It was so very slow and boring. She does the same things every day. Geraldine checked out after day one. Yeah, Geraldine, she doesn't. (laughs) Because it changes. Not every day. No. Things change. Things fall apart, if you will. I mean, I I think the point of the movie is that you make the assumption that day one is what the last... 365 days for 10 times over or six times years six times over since the husband died Hmm. that's what they've looked like and probably looked a lot like that when he was alive maybe without the sex work one would assume well he he comes home early from work they have their their hour and then dinner's on let's do the thing sylvan will be here yeah i I, at some point i almost wagered that's exactly what it looked like yeah it was just a different guy in the bed Mm -hmm. but everything else stayed the same yeah So is life. Yeah. Sometimes you're babysitting a kiddo and they're being a little asshole, but you just, you know, you're just nice to the baby. God, I'm glad we have evolved the uh, the baby carrier. Oh, that looked like <laughs> a bad baby carrier. That golf bag thing around. <laughs> oh my <baby>. God. <laughs> golf bag thing. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really big and it looked very heavy. Could, that, that child should have been like sitting up on his own bike. Like he doesn't need to be in a carrier. I, I do think. prefer the that was bunk, like a one year old. The sort of bucket design that they have now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Much more. Intuitive. What do we? You know, here's a choice I like, and maybe that's how we should do this. It's just I know we all like this. I'm surprised, Arthur. You've kind of given credence to the people who hate this movie, but you're you're sitting at four and a half on Letterboxd, I believe. I've got to play a bit. Look, yeah. I've got a thing to do. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I play my cards close I, I to the I absolutely best. understand why people hate it. Sure. It I, is slow yeah. cinema. It, it is. That is not for everybody. It is. Um I like it's a thing. I like that we never see the mom of the baby. Yeah. Played by Chantel Ackerman. Played by Chantel Ackerman. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's a fun director cameo. Yeah. I like that. It's because you know, you're wondering Uncredited though, because she's not popping up in my stats. Oh, interesting. I, I, you know, you're just sitting there wondering, like, whose baby is this? Like, what's the deal with this baby? And then the mom shows there's no up. exchange of money. Like, no. she's just is she running? Is that when she goes to the store? Yeah. Like, hey, watch the baby. I'm going to the da- uh, butcher. Yeah. All right. I think so. I think it's just a friend thing. Yeah. yeah. But you, well, that's you wonder is Jean lonely? And then finally, somebody's talking to her, and she just kind of doesn't really. You know, she doesn't want to. Chantel, she's like doesn't care. She's yeah. like, okay, whatever. I, I've known a lot of women like Jean Dillman. I think. Okay. Here we go. Uh, yeah, I was, go. I was about to say, uh oh. Here we go. Well, I don't know if this is gonna happen. What's gonna I, happen no, next? I don't think he's I'm got his Joe cr- Rogan hat on. <laughs> no, no, th- this particular person likes people, but likes people almost more of an on idea. On her terms, on her terms, and as an idea, like I will okay. invite you over to a party. At which point, or I will go to your party, but. In the middle of my day, it is my day, and I have my schedule, and mm-hmm. this and all I'm thinking about is what I need to be doing next. So mm. I will be polite, okay, because I'm middle class. But they're she's just simply waiting for her to get done so she can get back into her order of a day, and hopefully it true. doesn't take so long yeah. that it pushes something back. I mean, she does yeah. kind of have that whole moment of like you weren't about to eat, were you? Which she absolutely was. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a good bit of business. So mm-hmm. yeah, okay, all right, I like that read. Very very Midwestern American women are this yeah, way as well. Sure, yeah, yeah, sure, okay. It's interesting read. Uh, of a certain generation. Yeah. I like, you know, it's just like the little ways you notice that things are starting to go awry. You know, it does, you could very easily not notice it because it, it takes a little bit for things to sort of dial up. I think one of the, my favorite, like, revelations, or if you want to go that far, call it that, but like when she's peeling the potatoes and her hair is kind of a mess. Yeah. And then her, her son points it out. Um, Dustin and I were talking about that on the drive here. I just just that that sequence is kind of a really fun kind when of... When she leaves the lid off the pot, mm-hmm. which is another one. Yeah. Where that seems to start happening. The coffee's a great one, too. Yeah. The whole coffee sequence is mm-hmm. crazy. Well, and as we're talking about this movie, it's sort of like roundtable review. We like the movie, and we yeah. think, you know, we've enjoyed it. And I, I think we need to probably address some of the blowback of it being ranked the number one movie of all time in the sight and sound list. And we talked about this way back at Tokyo Story when we did the first one. The way in which a movie is ranked on the list is that every submitter produces a list of 10 movies. And every one of those movies gets one vote. Right? And Jean Dillman got more top 10 votes than any other movie. That's how it got to be number one. And I, I my theory is, and I was saying... They're I, not weighted, right? They're not weighted at all. No, I didn't think so. And so my theory for... Uh, and I, and I was saying this to Dalton as we were coming on the way up, uh, is that this movie 
happened to make the list because in 2015, Chantelle Ackerman died tragically. She died by suicide in the process of making an incredible movie. That's what, actually my favorite Chantelle Ackerman movie, which is No Home Movie, in which she's uh, doing some conversation via Skype and other interviews with her with her mother, who's a Auschwitz survivor, a Holocaust survivor, a fascinating woman uh, who dies halfway through the movie. And Dealman, Deal, excuse me, Ackerman goes into an incredible uh, depression and she kills herself uh, at the end of it. And I think when that happened, it was too soon. And we were all uh, in this sort of filmy community, sort of reminded of Ackerman and some of the great stuff she did. I think a lot of people in the last eight years revisited Jean Dealman, oh, maybe um, Letters from Home and, and a couple of the other movies as well uh, from her and realized, oh, you know what? This is a great movie. It's one of my it's one of my ten favorite movies of all time. And so when they went to compose that list in twenty twenty two, it made the top ten. I I, I think it's it, it's the same way. I mean, you, you get reminded when a, when an actor dies, you go check out their filmography. Yeah, I mean maybe, but there's seven years there for that to kind of pass. But also they double the pool. Oh, of that's critics too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they go from eight hundred to sixteen hundred something. Yeah. Which also shapes it. And sure. then you have all the people who saw the 2012, and you're like, because that's Gene Dillman's first appearance, I believe. At all, yeah. And it's there. like number 18 or something like yeah. that. So that, plus a more diversified group of critics. Accessibility plus, to, you know, now this yeah. is on the Criterion Channel and HBO Max. Like, it's it's easy to get to this movie. I mean, I, I think that accessibility is always going to be a big factor. I feel like that's, you kind of can see that in the last two lists or so, I think. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's it's hard. How does it not crack the list? I guess yeah. I, I, I kind of like your theory, Dustin, and and I, Arthur. I think that's a, the the doubling of the pool. I forgot about when Dustin and I were kind of theorizing on the drive up here about sort of why, how it makes the list. I I feel we have to concede it is sort of a pretentious number one. It, it is sort of like a, a deliberately bit, yeah. a deliberately anti cinema choice, but also is it is nice like in sort of a canon reassessment way to get mm-hmm. a not only a, a film by a female filmmaker on the list but also like a film that is like sort of about the female experience in a very like dry mundane way yeah you know it, well, it, it is it's, it's one of those things that asks the question of what what are the entertainments what are the the sort of visual pleasures of cinema and it uh, makes a really interesting pairing with vertigo too right mm-hmm. yeah and to so it asks that question and says so what if we just don't show you the the one thing we're all interested in which is the tricks let's just not show that and let's just show all the other stuff that everyone always edits out of a movie how long does it take to prepare a meatloaf wow it's a, it, 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 it's it's ex- a process. it's exhausting especially in a scoreless um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A completely static camera. Uh, that, that frame is locked down. Man, yeah. Uh, again, we're reminded a lot of Ozu, I think, from uh, way back in uh, number four, um, Tokyo Story. All the, and I was telling Dalton, the height of the camera does seem to be a little taller than Ozu's camera, but not by a lot. Uh, it's the height of Chantel Ackerman. I mean, oh, probably. Checks out, because she is a short woman, yeah. yeah. But uh, the sort of... Uh, there's something like really striking about all the compositions. That they're very. They're not quite symmetrical, but they're very... I, the co- color composition, like it all really comes together in a way that like makes the film kind of visually arresting, even when nothing's happening. And it does kind of create this sort of visual claustrophobia yeah. as I mean, well. That's the big part of it. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Every room feels like a chamber. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and that's reinforced by her turning off the lights every time she mm-hmm. leaves a room to cut that room off of the home, essentially. Yeah. I wondered about that being a, a cost saving measure. That was one I mean, of my probably, thoughts about it. I think that's how you yeah. narratively well, make the argument. But I think thematically it, Mm-hmm. reinforces the mise-en-scene. Instead sure. of fragmenting the female body, I mean, now we're doing analysis a little bit, but yeah, I can say are. that. But instead of fragmenting the female body. Everything we're off the rails. Yeah. Instead of fragmenting her body, although, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously as she moves in and out of space, you know, you might get less or more of um, Jean in, on camera. Yeah. It doesn't do that. So the editing that fragments the body, but it does fragment the space mm-hmm. and creates, well, cells. Yeah. Within mm-hmm. the space. Yeah, right? I like that. I also kind of thought you, you talked about the the sex work being the thing that like conventionally we would want to see in mm-hmm. a movie. Uh, I like that the first, after that first one, we, we get a very like unsexualized nude body in a bath, right? Right. Like, just like a very mundane bath. And that goes on for a while. Uh, as, as most of the mundane things in this mm-hmm. movie do. Well, like, it takes about the time it takes to take a bath. Yeah. Everything takes how long it takes. It's really a deliberate and aggressive choice to not use 
montage to not use these sort of cinema conventions we think of. And I, I if you are, let's, you called it a dense text, and most of the movies we've watched for this have been pretty dense. But mm-hmm. like, especially if you start thinking about the things we speed through in a conventional film, it, it really does kind of make you think about the the creation of the movie as sort of a an inherent falseness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, in filming this, it's really fun because I guess to help capture that mundanity, um, Ackerman would sit down for rehearsal with uh, Sayrig um, and say, okay, you're going to sit here for a minute. And she had a stopwatch. And then she would say, now go to the window for 25 seconds. And then she would do that. And she'd say, go to do this thing for however long. Wow. So it's a very a methodical approach to capturing that mundanity. Yeah, you get a sense of time because yeah. you do want to hurry it up. <laughs> yeah, you do. You, 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 not enough time feels too long. Yeah. And you, and you're worried about your audience feeling bored. Yeah. But where the, the whole sort of aesthetic push is to get through the other side of that boredom. Yeah. And the other thing that Ackerman's really fascinated with, um, as I've been reading and I mean, I've, this is the fifth movie I've seen from her this year. Uh, yeah. Arthur went down the Ackerman hole. Oh, yeah. that's um, cool. Man. It's pretty it's pretty, I mean, it's apparent very, very early on in her career what her thing is, I think. But she's very fascinated with setting up systems. Mm. Um, and we see this, right? Creating that routine so that she can then break that system and then break that routine. And that's where it takes us. I mean, I think thematically, idealistically, she's pretty full formed in her first film, uh, Blow Up My Village, which is a short she does. Oh, I thought you were doing the me, he, she, no, her. That's her first feature. feature. Okay. Yeah. And I'll probably talk about that later. But I mean, it is about setting up these patterns, that domesticity. She's obviously she's very influenced by her mother. You've already had talked mm-hmm. about that relationship. That's a you know, a lot of Jean is is her mom, I think. Um and so those patterns are there and the ritual, which she kind of attributes, I think, to her Jewish culture as well. Um, as part of that. And so she's fascinated by ritual. She's fascinated by these sorts of systems that are created visually and narratively. And we see this playing out in full force in, in Dillman. Hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I like that read. That's, and it's interesting to know, I'm glad you were able to kind of do the research to get some, some further context on her interests for this one. Um, Dustin, uh, is there any, anything from you and anything you've been thinking cooking on over there? Not in addition to what we've already done so far, just sort of set, you know, it's really, really mundane. And the point is to heighten that. And, and, and I guess to, to sh- the undramatic, it's undramatic storytelling and without dramatic tension hmm. in the same way that we understand dramatic tension, but that we live lives that are of value, that are of interest, that are worth looking at, that may not have drama. And so what it does I think is an advocacy. It, it it's an it's a um, elevation of lives that would not make a quote unquote Hollywood movie, right? Yeah, for sure. The other thing I really like about this, and here's where I was trying to go. Um, the thing I noticed uh, in these early films um, is in in creating these systems as she's establishing these patterns. It's to one and get us into a certain place as we are watching this thing. Right. She's going to show us the same things over and over again um, to create a comfort almost before hooking us. And there's I, I don't want to call it a playfulness because it feels an, mischievous almost found, sounds a little too. I don't know. There's like this. The film's not showy enough, but I know exactly what you mean when you say that. And, and yeah. there's something she does. She does a short film called The Chamber or The it, Bedroom. It's coy. Yeah. I think might be the oh, actual that may be it. Which that's applies a good way to the chamber, it. I think. Yeah. But in the chamber, she, it's a static shot of a bedroom mm-hmm. and the film's just doing a 360. Or the camera's just doing a 360 and we see a chair, we see some other decorations, and we see Chantal Ackerman on a bed mm-hmm. and it just rotates. And then after the third one, it pivots and goes back. Mm-hmm. And then it swings like a pendulum, mm-hmm. focusing on Ackerman on the bed. And there's this thing where she's luring you in making you comfortable mm. and then she she pulls the cord yeah she hits that e-brake and and does that hard 180 and I mean, that's very much what we get in gene dillman 100 yeah and i think it's so and and there's a thing you said it always sticks <clears throat> to me you said it when we did mahal and drive a very long time ago it's not good until it's great mm-hmm. and i very much think that's what gene dillman is because i was very much at the point where like i get it like i understand what what's happening but I, I real, I mean, that review that says you can get it in ten minutes, you can because if you can go watch the chamber, you can go watch blow up my village, 
and you're going to have a really good idea of what Sean Dillman is mm-hmm. in 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. You'll have pretty much the entire experience in 25 minutes. Then we get to the end of the third day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not ready to watch it till you've seen it. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing about it. I think that, I mean, she does this. It's, it's like a fisherman. I mean, she's got the bait out there, lures you to it. You're getting real comfortable with it. And then she hooks you. And, Pulls the rug, and, well, and this is a this is a, an opinion that's going to really fly in the face of some of our one star reviews. But this is a very very commercial version of another style of filmmaking, the structuralist style of filmmaking yeah. from Hollis Frampton and from Michael Snow and some others that really inspired. We, we were talking about describing the uh, the camera work in uh, the the chamber and uh, the Michael Snow film that's in, that inspires that is called La Région Centrale, which is a camera in a basically in a mountain valley. Yeah. Hmm. Same thing, and the wind moves it. Oh, jeez! And it goes one way, and it goes the other way, and it goes upside down. It goes. I mean, it's the same thing you described. But there's there is there's nothing anthropomorphic at all mm. in the image. It's it's purely just scenery. Yeah. And the sound of the um the sound of the uh the pivot itself kind of mm. creaking as it moves. Yeah. Um, and that's all. It, that's all it is. And it's that movie's an hour, something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's fascinated with time and form and structure, and, and that's very much a part of this as well. But yeah, I mean, she you know she goes over to New York, she drops out of film school at a pretty early age, goes to New York, is fascinated with Warhol and Mikas, and mm-hmm. is learning all about this avant-garde style mm-hmm. of filmmaking. Those of Mikas, yeah, and a lot of those movies, her early stuff is is reflection on her time in New York as well. Um, but I mean, this is more commercial than any of her early. I mean, definitely yeah. more mm-hmm. than. I, you, he, she, mm-hmm. which is much more provocative and much more. Uh, well, that, that, that gay sex scene. Well, at the yeah, end. that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, that is a, a big part of it. But I mean, even I think the way she's narrating the first act of that film and, mm. and she telling us what she does and then she does it and it plays that. I don't know. It's just really interesting. Um, but even more so that, you know, blow up my village, I think is much more I've never experimental seen and avant-garde yeah. than this. Right. This is by all accounts palatable. It's just mundane yeah yeah i was really interested to see speaking of her time in new york that she ended up being a professor at city college mm-hmm. in new york a film mm-hmm. professor and it it makes sense like that somebody who made a film like this would be interested in teaching the the form and the medium because it is so much a movie that is kind of again like as we said i think anti-movie is a really good way to describe it because it is creating tension in unconventional ways and in you know very slow ways again it's it's definitely in that slow cinema lane um but even that, you know, even when, even that doesn't quite do justice. Like, so cinema is, it's, is a thing, and it's, I think this is in that umbrella, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's its own thing in, in a lot of ways. Cause it, as Arthur said, it does really kind of set you up for failure. Sure. <laughs> in some ways. Well, it's, it's, it's just different kind of movie making. You know, I, I thought about that mm-hmm. Mark Cousins distinction between uh, romantic cinema and classical cinema mm-hmm. and how Tokyo Story is classical. I would say Jean Dielman is even more classical and even less romantic. Mm. There's, there's, it, it very much is about the symmetry and the form mm-hmm. and just those boundaries and the shapes not only the shapes of what we see on the screen but the, sh- the ways in which dealman's character has shaped time mm-hmm. and how and that the classic look it's classicalism classicism in decay is what we're watching is sort of an accelerated century of you know a parthenon falling down almost is, is a good way to think about the movie and there's also abby I think I have some thoughts that maybe can wait till we get to analysis. Okay. Actually, do we want to go ahead and build out our uh, syllabus? I think we're already yeah, we're analysis. Yeah, we, yeah. Well, man, I, the, yeah, we we were definitely off the. Ra- well, this entire marathon has yeah. been difficult to do in our traditional format. Let's go ahead and do expanding the syllabus. Can any mini money mo Arthur? Can you explain what expanding the syllabus is all about? Um, where are we at? Yeah, expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the host, assemble an academic course and module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. That's tr- correct. Do you happen to have one of those um, syllabi prepared? I got something like that. This is, I'm thinking of this more as like a film festival programming type thing. So I've got a triple, well, a quadruple feature and then a double feature that I'd put together here based on some of Ackerman's work. Uh, and so with Gene Dillman, uh, the thing... Um, I'm really drawn to is that idea. Uh, I, and I talk a bit about this. I think when we talked about uh, Barbie and simulation theory, um, it's that, that idea of the routine breaking in these worlds where 
order and mundanity are what keep you safe and keep you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, when a movie has that sort of setting and character and then breaks that for them, it creates all sorts of new, oftentimes existential sorts of crises that they must now uh, deal with. And so I think directly with Jean Dillman, I'm going to put it in conversation with the Truman Show. Nice. Pleasantville. Nice. And Barbie. I Dude, yeah. I think that is a quadruple, that's a film festival weekend. Mm-hmm. Just wrestling with this idea of order and process and probably, I mean, you can get, you know, purpose and get into some of that observation and observation and then, you know, what happens when that breaks and the thing doesn't go the way we were expecting it to go. Um, and the sort of reflection that that now imparts on us Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, whether it brings us to a breaking point where something has to change or we have to now find a way to grow or explore something more because we now realize there is more out there. And so that's the first part of this. And then as what, as I was watching this, um, about halfway through, I was really thinking about kind of what I was talking about, the way in which she is playing with this space, playing with this time, this mundanity, and how that is all coming together. And then the influence, right? I mean, the kind of joke here is, uh, you know, if you like Rooney Mara eating a pie in a ghost story, have I got a movie for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's kind of the, the joke here, I think, that you can make pretty easily. But I was really thinking about that in other filmmakers, more commercial filmmakers even, who were very obviously, I think, inspired by and pulling from Ackerman. Mm-hmm. And so I would put her earlier movie, uh, her first feature film called I, You, He, She in the English or Je, Tu, Il, El. Uh, in the French, um, which is very much maybe a bit of a coming of age, maybe a bit of a romance, maybe a bit of a story of a wanderer. It is about a young woman played by Ackerman herself. Um, And the first third of it is her in her home, just very much in a depression. Mm. She's eating a bag of sugar and narrating her day moment by moment what she's doing. And then it goes into the second section where she uh, hitches a ride with a long-distance truck driver. And then the third part of that is uh, she goes to visit her ex-girlfriend, which ends in this uh, uh, extended uh, sexual encounter. Um, but when I was watching the first act of that, and I was thinking about that while watching Jean Dillman and the mundanity here. I think I would pair uh, I, you, he, and she with David Fincher's The Killer. Really? Interesting. Okay. Because okay. the first act of that movie is very much this. It is this person wrestling with what they're doing in their life, narrating the events of their day in the most mundane setting while having the least mundane sort of job mm-hmm. in the world as a hired assassin. Mm-hmm. But there is a connective tissue between those two movies. And in those and, and people have said, you know, the it's hard maybe for them to get on board with that opening of the killer. Sure. Because it is so long and it is very routine and mundane and not a lot happens. Um, but I, I was just thinking a lot about that and thinking about the the kind of structure, the patterns that are developed, how those patterns shape our lives and our interior lives, both in IU, he, she and in Jindilman and how that all comes together and how all those things in very non-commercial films are still being, you know, there's. In, in when we were doing film study stuff in, in graduate school, uh, one of the instructors, you know, mentioned, or it was in a book, you know, like Hollywood is this blob. Mm-hmm. It looks at all of these things and these influences mm-hmm. from all sorts of cinema, international cinema, avant-garde, uh, art house, whatever, uh, and finds ways to utilize it in narrative storytelling. And that's very much what I think Fincher has done. Um, in something like The Killer and in his whole career. I mean, Fincher is very aware of expressionism, of yeah. all of these different things, right? And by and large, probably very aware of Ackerman. Sure. You know, and there's a way in which he can incorporate those tools in a narrative film that is much more commercially appealing, mm-hmm. but still has a lot of the same shared DNA. And I think that's a very interesting thing mm-hmm. to look at. And so I put those two in conversation with one another because I think it just leads to interesting discussions. Uh, uh, about uh, mundanity and process and life and purpose. Um, And I think that would be a pretty good time. Yeah, it sounds like a great time. Thank you very much for that, Arthur. Dalton, do you have a syllabus prepared? Yeah, I I took a a pretty basic approach and and went the already mentioned slow cinema route. Um, 
So some of the the hits that first come up when you you sort of look into what is a slow cinema. Um, previously discussed films uh, from this show, uh, like Melancholia, Stalker, and Solaris, both by Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, I would even include um, the uh, Fassbender Western. I think is it Logan Lerman who also, who's also in it? Slow West, West? yeah, mm-hmm. which I think is a really fun uh, sort of take on um, the slow film. And and there are surprisingly, <clears throat> oh, it's Cody Smith McPhee. That's who it is. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, but there's quite a few. Westerns, I think, that that fit into the slow cinema lane because a lot of them are about, you know, vistas and travel. Uh, but uh, other films uh, that came up, uh, of course, uh, we talked about this not well, like, I think it was last January, uh, Alvazar Balthazar. Hmm. Um, I think all of these kind of fit into that school of, of filmmaking. And mostly I want to tee up Dustin to talk about it a little bit more because they're, it's not exactly a genre. Or a style. Well, I guess it would be a style. I think it's a style, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but it all of these films definitely are different, and there's different ways to use this style mm-hmm. of... Because of, not every slow cinema film is a full anti-movie, quite the way that Gene Dealman is. Um, I think all the films, in fact, that I mentioned are sort of conventionally entertaining in some way. Even Stalker, which is, you know, long, like, long in the tooth like Dealman, is still like sort of propulsive in that it is a, a science fiction film in that there's somewhere they're going, there's mm-hmm. a journey taking place. Um, so yeah, all, all of these other examples are, I think Balthazar maybe comes closest to sort of just being a movie about watching stuff happen to somebody or to a, to a being in, in that case. But uh, yeah, I, I am, you gotta be in the mood for it, but it's a style of, of or uh, yeah, a style of, of filmmaking and of, of storytelling that I, I'm just always really interested in, even though I, I find myself frustrated by it as often as I'm liking it. So I think we should just kind of talk about it as a, as a way of, of telling stories a little bit more, but we can do that after we talk about your interest, Dustin, which I, you, you're, you kind of place this in uh, fiddle, historically with a few other movies, right? Uh, yeah. I'm fiddling with a little bit from what we talked about earlier, because I want to really think about the exploration of femininity in general. And I want to think about the French exploration of fe- femininity there in the sixties and seventies, um, because there are a handful of movies that are doing this kind of work and we could go through long lists, but, um, there's a, there's three heavy hitters, uh, Chantal Ackerman being one of them. With Gene Dealman. And then uh, two other heavy hitters. Uh, one's Louis Boonwell in 67 with Belle de Jour uh, with the great Catherine Deneuve, in which, a uh, again, another middle class sort of housewife uh, becomes a high class prostitute. And uh, much more uh, about sexual awakening in terms of removing, uh, moving away from repression, which is similar adjacent to what's going on in Ackerman, but again, maybe a slightly different uh, experience there. And then another film I wanted to think about was just sort of the way in which we live our lives and what gives our lives value, which is a big question that Jean Dealman is asking is her life does seem to be kind of about ticking the boxes more than it is about, you know, sort of doing something with it. And so Cleo from se- uh, five to seven is another movie um, that I think is worth looking at uh, from Agnes Varda and uh, five to seven is lover's hour, by the way. And so, uh, although it not in a sex work kind of context in this particular instance, the movie does ask the questions of expectations of femininity and how one is called to live one's life, you know, to be authentic and true to oneself again, sort of in the sort of Sartian kind of existentialism kind of uh, ties to that quite a bit, mostly because she's gotten, uh, she's getting a biopsy done um, oh, okay. at, during this time. And so she's very, very concerned about the results of the biopsy. I won't give any more spoilers away uh, than that. So these movies are, and, and again, there's a way in which Cleo from five to seven sort of deals with the, fe- the, the female gay or the male gaze uh, in interesting ways as well. Our Varda is aware of that and sort of doing something different intentionally mm. uh, in that film in 64. Well, I definitely like to compare it with this because obviously <clears throat> uh, Gene Dillman's obviously got that going on in a yes. big way. So that's interesting to, 
kind of think about two different ways of doing that. But yeah, I, I would put this class as a module within sort of like a French cinema thing. You know, it's like, okay, what, let's think about the new wave, and let's, which Ackerman is sort of like a second generation new waver mm-hmm. is, is a good way to think about her. And then uh, think about some from the old wave, Boonwell, who's sort of an old master, and how these various sort of uh, cinematic generations are coming to the same kind of material questions. What does it mean to be a woman here at the, you know, the later quarter third of the 20th century what is that what does that even look like now and uh, in what ways has modern life turned some expectations up on its head and how do the hangovers of those questions continue to plague apparel and sometimes advantage women in different kinds of ways and so how do you negotiate those various pitfalls and again sort of um, benefits that result from some of it as well you did make me kind of think about my own class and, and realizing that maybe it's it's more of a module and, and it's a module and it's sort of a a genre versus style exploration mm-hmm. you know yeah sure anyway uh that feels like pretty good groundwork uh to get us into a uh, business time which we've been doing this entire time sure but for real for real with spoilers <laughs> let's get down to business That's right, dear listener. And that business is analysis. She kills the last John. We can find. Ah. Yeah, we get this out of. Well, and and even more than that, we go into the bedroom, mm-hmm. and it's like very shocking. Yeah, like it's like a hard cut to this dude on top of her, and you're above them. Well, we see bed prep too. I don't remember. Do we see bed prep for the second John? I don't think we do. No, no, no. I She's I, like putting the house back this together. This is the first, yeah, first introduction into that room at all. Yeah, yeah and so well, that's. I guess not. We see her in her bedroom earlier, but yeah. this is like pretty, yeah when she's yeah. laying down the towel, right? Yeah, yeah. We see her like opening the the gift from her sister in her bedroom, mm-hmm. and that's really I think the only other major instance in her room. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah, not a ton of time spent in this room at all in the three and a half hours we're we're doing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, she has this moment that you could read as <sighs> discomfort with the sex act and and like debating ending it. Or you could read it as, you know, like a, a kind of weird orgasm. It's it's like deliberately vague and not vague, but um, ambiguous. ambiguous. Yeah, um, it's deliberately ambiguous. And then she, you know, gets out from under him and he's just laying there post coital. And boy, does she like stab him in the neck with a pair of scissors. <laughs> so matter of factly, you would it would make sense if you did on the list, bro. You would make sense. If you don't know what's going on right away. Yeah. yeah. Mustache must die. That's just what. Yeah. Well, and then we cut to her at the kitchen table, like at, as night falls and she just like is sitting there taking it all in as she has throughout the, the three days we followed her <laughs> and she doesn't quite finally smile. Uh, but there is a look of contentment. Order is restored in yeah, some form. Something yeah. has set back been set bright mm-hmm. by the murder she feels relieved in some way yes because you've already alluded there's a moment in the film the the biggest notable moment is when she overcooks the potatoes which yeah. is where the cracks start to show in her after routine sex act life. number two yeah um which we don't know anything about so there's no mm-hmm. reason for that to maybe inform anything that happens after but it is in that moment that things start to fall apart yes and then things just continue to go awry Slight yeah. little things. Her favorite waitress is not working after a certain time, or mm-hmm. you already somebody's mentioned the hair being out the, of place. Yeah, or the somebody's in her spot at the. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, someone's. I, I love that moment because the camera refuses to move too. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is such a good thing. Like now she has to sit on the edge of the frame while somebody's in her spot. That's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, that was. That she goes to the. Is it a that. post office? She what's that place she keeps going to? That little office that's. Where she's getting the buttons and stuff. I just said, no, not that. There's like a post office or some sort of. She goes to this building, and she goes inside one time, but the time the next time she goes, it's closed, and so she's doing something outside the building. Must mm. be the post office. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, that's the only I, thing I could think of. Well, the, I, don't know. I like the shop. Like the shop girl's like one of the few people she kind of opens up to for a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. talks about her sister. Yeah, that's just kind of like out of character though. It seems very right? out of character. Yeah, right. That's why it sort of is yeah. such an interesting moment. It's yeah. just like oh, she's okay. The shop girl's like who she's going to talk to. Interesting. Also, Sylvan's like thirty. He seems old. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, he's like smug. 18 or 19 at least. I, I feel like first year of college kind of kid is what it yeah. feels the like. The hide bed's cool though, right? Yeah, it is cool. The hide bed, yeah. That's a cool so design. So cool. 
So cool. My friend Harper was like, why is she taking so much time straightening those pillows when she's going to fold the whole thing in on itself? <laughs> That's how people function, man. Those, That's right. The people who keep their house in order. Yeah, man. Keep their house in order. That's a big part of it, for Even sure. Even if nobody's going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't live like that. No, I can't. I need it to be stated. I can't. It depends on the, the space. I don't mind. I like the kitchen counter. I need like free of mail and clutter. But my my desk in my office is a is an absolute I, disaster. I want my table to be clear, and it never happens. But <laughs> it is what it is. I guess you it's know, like a point of anxiety for me for some reason. That. I mean, that's to your point about sort of the like everyday anxieties of just like your stuff not being in the right place. This movie does such a good job of just. <laughs> my my friend said showing all the times you could be listening to a podcast. And like, there's a there's a lot of reasons you couldn't make Gene Dealman in the 2020s. Uh, but like, the mundanity and lack of things to fill your time with is a big part of that. Like, the, the 20th century boredom is a I big part of it. I, I've seen a version of this. I, um, Bellatar's um, uh, Turin Horse, Horse is kind I, of. I this. guess my point is it's it's also more annoying to do it. Mm. After, after it's already been done, Th- this is sort of a thing that, like, once somebody I don't gets know, to man. this, you can. I, I guess, but because why would the 2023 you? version of this is just chores are finished and they're just sitting on their couch on their phone on TikTok. That's true. That's for true. For 30 minutes. Yeah, just watching. And I you guess, don't see what the reels are. Yeah. No. You get a little of that. In you eighth, see their reaction. Yeah, you get a little of that in eighth grade. If they react. With Elise Fisher. I mean, just sort of the glow on her face. And ghost story, right? I mean, sure. I mean, there's a part yeah. of that there. Yeah. I don't know. There, There is something. Later mid 20th century just like feels so that like the shadow of World War Two looms so large over this. And to me, that like feels like such a big part of the malaise of the movie. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously Ackerman's, you know, mother's experience during that era probably colors that. But it's just, there is just like this deep sadness in the film that, that goes kind of unexpressed entirely that I found really interesting. One of the things I saw in a lot of reviews were references to uh, people who discovered this during the pandemic mm. where oh. this was our lives, right? Yeah. For a very long period wow. of time. Well, even when they do go out, we don't ever see where they go, right? They talk about... No, and her and Sylvan go out, right? Yeah. That first night they leave and we don't... We just see them come back. On night yeah. two, yeah. They, they went to the movies or what? Yeah. yeah. We don't even know. He doesn't want to go because they ate like, dinner late. Mm-hmm. She gave him a chocolate out of her purse every night. Isn't that cute? I guess. It's something. Well, and that's the night we come. Whatever it? happened, they come back, and that's where he has his weird monologue about sex. Well, he's mm. got two different weird monologues, but yeah, the first one is about his dad. Yeah, well, well again, looking into orgasms and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. and, and then the second one is about penis thrusting. Yeah, yeah. Sylvan, man. He, I mean, clearly he, he knows. Mom. Uh, well, he clearly knows what she does for supplemental income it sort of seems like and mm-hmm. it's like judgmental about it mm-hmm. uh, that's my read you think he uh, knows? But it could be wrong i don't think i he don't knows. know i don't think he does i don't think he knows yeah no i guess that would make his i much think he's sense. too wrapped up in his own world to even yeah care. yeah because he i i mean he's like your hair is weird yeah she's not, at not the like, bottom of the, okay? she is at the bottom of the order list it was that line about uh, power. i would i would only you know if i was a woman i would only do it with somebody i was in love with and she's like well how do you know if you're not a woman you're not a and woman it's yeah. sort of an interesting beat well and it's sort of the question of getting remarried is sort of the beginning thing because yeah. that's what came up in the letter from the yeah. uh, the auntie in yeah. canada yeah i love i just love her talking about how how big it is and can how, how spread out canada is mm-hmm. and like how everybody has to drive just like yep it's true pretty much it's that's true. north america versus europe for you <laughs> uh yeah i guess the whole thing with him sort of underscores the sexuality in films and sort of film as a one of, you know, many male dominated spaces the arts kind mm-hmm. of historically have always, just, you know, by nature of the patriarchy existing throughout human history. There's a lot of overrepresentation of men in, in all areas. And so, so much of movies is about a dude's camera you know, gazing upon a woman waiting for her to do something or for something to happen to her. Mm -hmm. And that like that sort of anti-moviness of, of Gene Dealman is so much a part of its DNA, I think. Yeah. Because it is so much about like what's going to happen. And again, something does eventually happen, but I think it would have still been an exceptionally compelling and interesting movie. If nothing happened, that still, it still works, but the something happening in that it is sort of a subversion of like, 
a woman getting fucked or murdered, to put it crassly, uh-huh. is, is often what's going to happen in a movie. And sort of the way this film plays with those ideas is is really interesting. I think. You know, I was just sitting there thinking as you were saying that, because I, I think a lot of people say that about slow cinema, is that it's, it's the kind of cinema in which nothing much happens. But like Gene Dealman, something big does eventually happen. Well, Melancholy is one I mentioned. The world gets blown the hell up in that yeah. movie. Yeah, so th- well, things happen in slow cinema. Sure. I don't think that's the Melancholia that they're talking about when they're talking about it as a slow cinema film. That's a that's a different mil- film called oh, Melancholia. Yeah, okay. That, I guess that I thought that that was sort of a stretch of definition. Yeah, I don't I think that, that I don't think that qualifies at all. Okay. Um, but Turin Horse, there are some things that happen. There are mm-hmm. some things that happen in Uncle Boonby. There are some things that happen in Stalker, you know. It sure. just takes a while to get it, there. It takes a while to get there. And th- that's the, the what what qualifies the style is well, like meditation, is the time you take to get there, to get mm-hmm. to a certain state of mind. And so the state of mind that Gene Dealman is sort of encouraging is to really feel the absolute boredom, the absolute mundanity, the banality, the the sort of uh, just repetitious um, Ooh, nature. You know what's a good one that we haven't even talked about, as you're saying that, Priscilla from last year. Okay. Like, big time. It's got the repetition, got the mundanity, and mm-hmm. of course, it's got the glamour of being Priscilla Presley, but like it takes all the romance out of it. Really? In like yeah. really interesting ways. Uh, and yeah, oof, that makes a, that would make a really interesting com, you know, companion piece with Gene Dealman for sure. Um, I'm just sort of, yeah, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. That everything you were saying was making me be like, oh, yeah. Because I, I, you know, I'd seen Sofia Coppola reference to somebody who talks about being uh, an acolyte of Ackerman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought that was. I was just yeah, kind of connected those dots as you were saying that. Sorry, but, but yeah, no. But going back to what slow cinema does, though, is it creates you creates in you this mind space so that when something does happen, you're sort of ready to receive it in a different kind of way. Because I'm telling you what, the short ninety minute version of this movie where a woman just goes through her day, she's taking a few tricks, and then she kills somebody at the end. There's a sleazy, you know, direct to video. Um, uh, what was Gene Simmons's wife's name? That was in all those sleaze movies. Uh, I, I can't think of her name. But right. Good point. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a version of that movie that gets yeah. made, right? Uh, that's direct to video, and uh, you know, I mean, really, really kinetic, really, really energetic. But it's 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 simply about the the splash of that last moment, mm-hmm. as opposed to one where you're like, I need to think about this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's something that's making these people crazy there's something that we're doing society that we're we're encouraging a kind of insanity here yeah it's called life yeah 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 and the movie prepares you for that in the same way uncle boonby prepares you for we're we're watching boonby die and so you're having the conversations where you as a family gather together and spend some time with them and then plan a funeral i mean it's going through all of that and there are moments of interest you know the hallucinations that Boonmi has and the hallucinations that are shared in the family sort of big experiences and big memories that you sort of rediscover as a family but the way you get to them is by the slow pace of just being there in that space for the week in which you're you know watching a loved one die you know and the movie you know that's that's what slow cinema does does that make sense no that's a really good way to kind of frame it because it is yeah it's doing a thing that's sort of hard to quantify. And I guess that's mm-hmm. a good way to put it. It like prepares you for the thing that it's, it's hiding. And you know, that's not always spoiling for myself. What was going to happen in the final, you know, 20 minutes of Dealman didn't really spoil the experience of it because it is so free of like schlock or exploitation or giving you anything that you want from like somebody getting stabbed on camera. No. It's like she it's matter of fact, it's very matter of fact. And you're like, removed. and she's obscuring the shot. Right. Yeah, so you can't, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Cause you yeah. see it in the mirror, right? Oh yeah. I mm-hmm. guess that's true. Don't you see it in the mirror? Yeah. Right. Well, and she blocks the view. Yeah. yeah. And then you just kind of see her come away with the scissors, but uh, you don't see, you know, blood squirting or, yeah. you know, I mean, nothing is stabbing and no Scorsese sort of squibs. Yeah. Nothing yeah. Like that. yeah. Yeah. No, no gore. Um, do we, I, I'm trying to think if I have, any anything big unaddressed but i feel like we've we've done a good job of sort of weaving mm-hmm. the highlights of this movie throughout our conversation about it you have anything arthur that you you want to get to um I mean, we were talking about this kind of i just mentioned it the other day one of the interesting things about this is i mean she makes us at 25 mm. oh man yeah and wells a kid and wells makes citizen kane at 24 right mm-hmm. right yeah this is- i think that's a really interesting thing to think about especially in conversation with 
uh, Tokyo Story and Vertigo, which are much more later in both of those you know mm-hmm. men's careers. So I, I I don't know. There's just something interesting about when the masterpiece happens, I guess. Yeah. And it's interesting. Quote unquote, you yeah. know? Yeah. Especially. Which is a very hard thing to quantify in any way, but time and early versus voices late, have yeah. said these are the masterpieces of cinema. Mm-hmm. I think a case could be made, though, and maybe stronger for Ackerman. If you are on Chantel Ackerman's wavelength and you recognize Jean Dealman as a masterpiece, she definitely has some higher points and lower points as her career goes on, mm-hmm. but she's much more consistent than, say, a Wells is. Yeah. I, I, and I like Wells, and I, I like late, late Wells. But a lot of people don't, and I get that they don't, and I get, and I, and I even get why they don't, you know, after well, Kane. And she starts making, you know, she does a musical in the 80s. She does other I stuff. Never saw she does that more, a lot more documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, she, you know, she really does begin to kind of vary her approach, I guess, in, mm-hmm. in interesting ways, while, you know, which I think helps to be, to stay fresh, to, you know, tackle new things and not to. Because I, I very much do think in these first few films that I, you know, I've seen the five very early ones that she does. Um, I, you, he, she comes out in 74, right before this. Uh, she does blow up my village at 18. Um, she makes the chamber, I think, the same year she does Hotel Monterey in 72. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all very much of a piece. Mm-hmm. I, I think. All kind of working up to this. I think Jean Dillman is very much the culmination in a lot of ways. That's interesting. And so I think that's also and, and it's, a tinker, from, it's a tinker toy set, yeah. And and this movie is finally the assembly, yeah. That's yep. yeah. Because blow up my village is very. I mean, is is a woman in a kitchen cooking and cleaning, and then it gets weirder and crazier and going sideways mm-hmm. before this kind of explosive finale. Um, then this very personal story, I think, in Ayu Hishi about her sexuality and her depression. And then this focus on space and for, uh, formalism with um, Hotel Monterey and the chamber. I, I, and then that all comes together in, I think, Jean Dillman. Hmm. Very interested that now that you've, you've mentioned and kind of have us thinking about this being a movie by a 25-year-old. Isn't it wild? Yeah, because it is such like a, an astute observation of like early middle age. It and feels- it's so disciplined. Yeah. Her, yeah. I mean her just her work itself is yeah. absolutely yeah. there is there's is no self-indulgence. I mean, yeah. you might say the length might is sometimes an accusation of self-indulgence, but the length itself is an act of discipline it seems like here. You well, know? especially like with ours are talking about the the shooting stories of like no do it for 25 seconds mm-hmm. because you'd have to be sitting there on set being like god this feels too long. Mm-hmm. I, and I I the the commitment to the bit is mm. pretty profound. Mm-hmm. And and it is part of what makes it so compelling for sure. Um, I will say, you know, get a fidget spinner or some knitting needles, <laughs> crochet hooks, you know, a, a Rubik's cube, something to fiddle with. You'll you'll want it. It'll it'll do do you a lot of favors. I think uh, it's it's. I'm gonna throw you out some names on the directors list who voted for. Oh. This is from the directors list, which doesn't decide the sight and sound. Yeah, but, but that's that's mm-hmm. fine. They have their own thing. Um, so let's just you know, okay, uh, Tilda Swinton, mm-hmm. Peter Strickland, okay, Lynn Ramsey. Sure. Mm. Um, David Lowry, Karen I mean, Kasama. Okay, okay. Um, Frank Bouveau, um, Joanna Hogg, mm. um, Adam McKay. Adam? Huh. McKay. No shit. Huh. Good on you, Adam. I mean, Lowry, Kusama, Hogg. Everything Those all make sense. Yeah, but you say tra- McKay, and you're like, what? Yeah, that's fun. That's a fun bit. Yeah. You know, you never know what people are into. No. You know what? It surprised me. Here we are. Yeah. So. I like it. All right. Well, it's let's good. count down from three. I'm not mad Shelf about it. or trash. Wait. Hang Wait. on. Wait. Okay. Sorry. Uh, one, one last thing. Mm-hmm. Rank the four greatest movies of all time. My ranking of them? From four to one. From four to one. I'm ready. All right. Go. Vertigo, number four. Oh. Number three, Gene Dealman. Number two, Tokyo Story. Number one, Citizen Kane. All right, whatever. What's yours, Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going number four, Tokyo Story. Mm-hmm. Three, Vertigo. Or uh, Citizen Kane. Two, Jean Dillman. And one, Vertigo. Um, I think I'm going to go with um, number four, Tokyo Story. Number three, Gene Dealman. Number two, Citizen Kane. Number one, Vertigo. There you are. How many of these movies would make your personal top tens? 
how many of them did? Uh, Vertigo and Tokyo Story. Did and, Tokyo Story make your top? Yeah, 10? I think so. I'll I have think to look again. Right. And uh, and um, Kane did. They your would, top ten. They not would, my top ten. No, top hundred though. Top hundred though. They would all make my top two hundred probably. Uh, top two fifty to three hundred. But now probably none none of those gonna crack. None of these were in Dustin's top ten. I'm just gonna let you know. No. But I'm so pretty sure Tokyo none Story and Vertigo top 10. are on his list somewhere. Yeah, Vertigo's at 16. Uh, uh, top Hundo is what we were doing. I'm sorry. No, I said top 10. Sorry. Well, I, said top, I, I wasn't I, listening to you, honestly. I know. I can tell. <laughs> Did, would, and you have a, which hitch do you have in your top 10, Arthur? Psycho. Psycho? Yeah. That's what I thought. And Rear Window. Oh, you have them both in the 10. That's so right. none, of them, none of them were in my 10. I just think of the ones that were on my list at all. Gotcha. Because any, how many of these were on your list at all? Interesting. Well, I hadn't seen any of these when I made uh, when we made the lists uh, two years ago. Now, okay. Vertigo's on both of our lists. Uh, you have it higher than I do. Tokyo Story, you have it sixty-one. Gene Dillman is not on here. No, I didn't have it on mine, and I wouldn't. And what was the other one? Citizen Kane. Citizen yeah. Kane. Yeah, Citizen Kane is not on here. I didn't think either of you had Kane yeah. on your list. That didn't make the hundred. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not good. I mean. That's incorrect, obviously. I have to think about that again. <laughs> Look, it's just a bunch of camera angles and old man makeup. <laughs> None of that matters. Oh, oh, a good map painting? Mm, I hate that. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <What are> you <laughs> talk- Film is not an art form. It's a narrative delivery system. Get out of my face. So we're all saying shelf, yes? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Okay. Uh, tell us we're wrong, dear listener, and Dalton's going to tell you yeah, how. Yeah, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com for your feedback. Uh, what should we do next January? We've done the four greatest films of all time, according to the Sight and Sound The four worst films of all time? Yeah. Or well, should I don't we think do we could anti-trash that, could we? Could the, we? Should we do the IMDb Top 250, the Letterboxd Top 250, AFI. do those top four? I, somebody else's Top 4. I think we've done probably the AFI Top 4. We probably, probably. have. We would have to swap in some other picks. Some Godfathers have got to be in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, I don't think Tokyo Story or Gene Dealman are in the AFI. They, had, no. they don't do well, the they're AFI American. list. They're not. The yeah. AFI list is not as international as the, the Sight and Sound list from BFI. Which is interesting, and I think says a lot in some ways. Uh, at gmail.com for that feedback. Um, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash GTM to help support this show uh, and get more information on what's in it for you. What what do you get by being a uh, paid donor? Uh, movies sent to your house, movies selected for the show, all that and more. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, last but certainly not least, you should always check out the other shows on this network. Uh, the other good trash media umbrella shows, pay, the Praise Down with Heath and Alex, uh, and the Wheel of Randy with Dan Ray, Wade, uh, both great, uh, both very different, and you know, one sort of about uh, Christian media, and one about uh, the incomparable Randy Newman. Uh, so go check out those shows, uh, Arthur. We have Dog. put anti trash to bed. Yeah, we did it. What are we doing next? Uh, well, next week, uh, we get back to the dump, you know, back to where the trash lives. Uh, we get to go back to our homes. Uh, we've stayed at this fine uh, Marriott for uh, a few weeks now, uh, but we get to go back to the Hotel Six where they'll leave the light on for us um, and not make the beds. Uh, not nearly as well as uh, Jean Dillman would. Uh, nope. And there are no chocolates on the pillows. It is, it is not the world of Jean Dillman. It is a different world. Uh, and so we are going to go and we're going to be looking at a little movie from South Africa called Jock of the Bushfeld. And so, uh, yeah, it's oh. going to be uh, about okay. a boy and his dog. So it'll be a good time. Is this a tee up for a marathon? No, no, just a, just just a, a South thing. African film. Thanks, Seb. Okay, cool. I'm into it. So that's it. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. <laughs>